Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for January 8th, 2023, The Baptism of the Lord. Uh, Actually, I'm going to mess with you. No! Yes. On the fly. On the fly. Okay. We'll actually be doing the Feast of the Epiphany. Epiphany. Like I said, uh, <laughs> Epiphany of the Lord. But let's use this as an educational moment. Okay. Yes, please. We are allowed to shift the feast day of the Epiphany to heresy. the Sunday following. Some would say heresy. But Epiphany is considered a... Um, more important feast day than the baptism of Jesus. So we get to have Jesus as a baby one more week, and then Jesus as an adult for the rest of the liturgical year. Does that, uh, since we're not doing it, yeah. uh, does that mean that next week we will not have the baptism right. of Jesus reading? Right. So in year A, this year, 2023, Jesus just doesn't get baptized. <laughs> Correct. Okay. <laughs> I can see why some might consider it a heresy, sir. Um, but it's more important that Jesus be visited by the Magi in a public way. Oh, ooh, more important, you say? Yes. Uh, and why is that? Well, like, why would you? Why would you use the, that terminology? Because in Matthew, that is the beginning of the teaching about the formation of the followers of Jesus. That Jesus is not just for the select few, but even for something as nutty as astrologers mm. coming from a faraway foreign country. Okay, okay. So uh, there, there, you kind of implied kind of a hierarchy of the feast yeah. days, and Epiphany is 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 it's higher than higher than the baptism. Yeah. Interesting. If we we're doing it absolutely correctly, we would guilt as many people as possible to come to church on January sixth. But that's a no say. So we will see you on Friday. <laughs> Just kidding. Right. <laughs> uh, well, then, yeah. Uh, so if at, at the end of the podcast, I accidentally say the wrong day. It's because I'm looking at the wrong day. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, but so, who's counting? But yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, we're 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 here in uh, the the first. Uh, well, this is basically the the. Uh, the the Sunday of Epiphany. I was going to say like in the in the um, the calendar entries uh, next week is the second Sunday after the Epiphany, and I almost said the first Sunday after Epiphany, but that's not that's not right because that's it's, not what we're doing. Right. <laughs> it's just Epiphany. It's just Epiphany. Um, so, um, but uh, we've got a, a ton of things going on. Uh, at the church, uh, uh, things to highlight. Uh, we've got game night coming up. We'll celebrate. Uh, <laughs> we can celebrate actual epiphany at game night uh, on Friday. And I'm sure, that, uh, in all serious, I think there's a way in which Jesus would say, hey, that's cool. <laughs> there might shoot, yeah. there might even be a board game I could dig up that might have uh, something like that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Now, now I, you are a magi. Now <laughs> I kind of want to test will, it. <laughs> will you cross the river or will you, yeah. will you Oregon Trail just reskin yeah. for the magi? Yeah, right. exactly. You were... Um, you were you got it right away. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, uh, yeah, and they'll all die to snake bites. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So uh, Friday, this Friday, we have uh, our our traditional game night. Uh, we we do know that there will be a a contingent uh, of family uh, 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 games that will be presented. Some some attendees. Uh, 
it's always that's always a welcome addition to game night uh there's a there's some some uh um hardcore uh attendees that do hardcore we board games we don't say that around it we don't say hardcore i know yeah. all right well not that implication, but, right. but de- devoted board game uh, players. I, I would even give them the compliment of saying advanced. Advanced, yes. Uh, uh, so, uh, uh, but obviously we don't we don't want that to be a deterrent for no. other other folks at all, because uh, the, the the point obviously is to come together and play some games at the church. So that is seven o'clock on Friday, uh, where Bruce will be preaching from a soapbox about the Epiphany, <laughs> uh, and uh, but we've got uh, we've got our uh, our trivia night in February that we've started uh, promoting, uh, which is also available on our uh, information is available on our website, uh, holyfamilyfishers.org. For that, uh, we've got our 33 and a third. That's this that's uh, this coming Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's that's our, so long story short, visit the website. I'm sure I'm forgetting stuff uh, and that, that isn't coming to mind because not much comes to my mind, uh, but uh, <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, but uh, we've got lots of things going on in the new year that we would like uh, you all to find out about and attend with us. So yeah, and participate right. in. But uh, <clears throat> even though we'll be reading uh, Friday's uh, uh, feast day readings, We'll do uh, uh, this day in church history for January 8th, uh, and our first entry uh, on this it goes back to 482, uh, where we see the death of Severinius in a monastic cell in Favien, in, uh, which is in modern Austria, uh, an early missionary Ooh. from Africa who preached oh. Christianity along the Danube River. I want, okay. Okay. It made sense once you got to missionary. Mm-hmm. So I think, why was there a monastic all the way there at that point? Because Christianity was just tiptoeing into Northern Europe at that point. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and where Christianity had been growing for, well, a couple hundred years at least, was Africa. Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, 1198, uh, I love this guy's first name. Lothar. Lothar. Oh, cool. Just screams like uh, medieval. Uh, (laughs) Lothair of Segni is elected as Innocent III. He will be the first to consistently title himself Vicar of Christ and will take the papacy to its pinnacle of power. What year again? Uh, 1198. Okay, yeah. So Pope Innocent III uh, is elected. Uh, 1455, I have questions about this entry because it just, I'm going to read it and it doesn't make sense to my brain. So maybe you'll help me. I'll try to In the bull with lowercase b, in the bull, Romanus Pontifex, Pope Nicholas V, transfers Africa's harbors, rivers, islands, and seas to Portugal's rulers and grants Portugal patronage over its churches and authority to sell infidels into slavery. All of the right isn't that amazing? All Until the you get tail, to slavery, none of it makes yeah, sense. No, that part makes sense. I don't know what the in the bowl Romanus Pontifex. Uh, what is in the bowl? A, a bowl is a proclamation by the Pope. Oh, okay. I don't think I knew that. It doesn't come up often in everyday conversation anymore. Is that where the phrase "a, lo- a load of bowl" uh, comes? From? I doubt it, but. Yeah. 
I'm not going to say it's impossible. New writing for the Pope. Ah, it's a bunch of bull. I was going to say, <laughs> what did Mar- Martin Luther say? <laughs> Bob. All right. I guess I would say German accent. Bull. <laughs> Le- <laughs> yeah. Uh, 1539, uh, Jard Renards is executed in the Netherlands for sh- sheltering the gentle and holy Anabaptist leader Menno Simmons. That's mean. Not out, right? Just having a house. Aiding and abetting. Um, 1670. 1670- that, that was when what. Um, to use the modern term, denomination you were in, pretty much said whether or not you were loyal to the crown. Yeah. So I presume that's yeah. why it was a capital offense. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Us <laughs> religious folks are the best as history shows. Uh, 1672, death in Jamaica of Elizabeth Hooten, probably the first convert to George Fox's Quaker's Quaker teachings and one of the earliest Protestant women preachers. She had accompanied him there on a mission trip. To where? Uh, Jamaica. Oh, okay. Uh, Wait, how did she die? It just says that she died. Oh, okay. So it was it was her. I have to admit, I was immediately waiting for a burn. Yeah, <laughs> usually, yeah. Uh, I mean, but Spikes. every once in a while, people just just, just die, live live their full life. Uh, as this, as is this next one, seventeen thirty six, we see see the death of John Leclerc, uh, or uh, Clericus. It says in parentheses, uh, a Swiss theologian who had left Geneva. Because his critical study of the Bible led him to disagree with Calvin, uh, settling in, way. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> settling in Amsterdam, uh, he had become an Armenian. So Jean Leclerc settling in Amsterdam. Wow. Yeah. See, people lead interesting lives in the, in the past. Yeah. <clears throat> huh. um, uh, Eighteen hundred, uh, nice and even. Moravian missionaries and Hottentot converts. Consecrate a church building able to seat 1,500 worshippers at Bavian's Kloof, South Africa, later renamed uh, Grace Vale. There's another name that's... Uh, Not going to be said. It, G-N-A-D-E-N-T-H-A-L. Nadenthal, probably? Probably. So, uh, but upon first reading of mine eyes, it was... <laughs> skip that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, later but, known as... Jed. So I have to admit, uh, Hottentot converts, the only thing I know about the Hottentots is uh, from uh, a throwaway line from Mary Poppins. Uh, the crazy the, the crazy admiral who fires yeah. the cannon was like, uh, says something about the, you know, I think he's imagining an invasion of yeah. the Hottentots. I think so. Who are the Hottentots? <laughs> I've always wondered. As a kid, it was tater tots, but uh, th- then I realized that's not what he was saying. I was say, it's great with bis- <laughs> you know the gravy from biscuits and gravy. <laughs> but uh, what do, what do you know about the hot and tots? Because I I have I have only that as a reference. I I don't know. Okay, I will let you Google if you so choose. Okay, I I think I will. I think I will Google. Let's see here. And I will tap dance by oh. saying. I will bluff. Oh, it's just about as racist as it yes, you would want you would want to imagine. Uh huh. So is is it a term? For, it is a racial term for basically um, Native Africans mm-hmm. who want the colonial colonialists to leave. That is, uh, it's very specifically the 
I'm probably going to mispronounce this. The Kokoho uh, tribe. Um, uh, the term has also been used to refer to the non-Batu speaking, where is that, indigenous population as a whole. Um, but certainly... Oh, uh, my apologies. Use of the term is now uh, depreciated and is offensive. So... Um, I thought that's what you were saying. That was offensive. Yeah. Well, it was. It was indicating that it was religious, like uh, racially. It was like racially uh, uh, a racial term. That doesn't make it good. No, it do I don't. I'm not saying it was good. <laughs> I know. But uh, I was initially interpreting that as an indication that it was speaking to a specific race of people. I didn't realize that it, like it. Oh, it has like a generally understood negative connotation yeah. or as, as uh, something resembling a slur. Um, I'm something that is a slur. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be clear. Well, it's, it, yeah. It, it, I mean, if you were a British colonialist, you would think it looks like it originated among the Dutch is what it, well, they were pretty nasty down there too. <laughs> all the colon <laughs> yeah. colonizers uh, were relatively nasty. I think so. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that was the other thing that I was gonna try to figure out if that was a uh, if that was a, a, a coming from Engl the English or someone else. It could it be like a, a modification of the Dutch racist term because mm. um, the British couldn't pronounce it or didn't want to try. Interesting. And the and the original version of it uh, from the Dutch uh, was probably. Um, Hod, Hodmandad. Interesting. So, um, all right. Well, so um, that entry has a racist term in it. That's yeah. fun. That's fun. I'm glad we learned stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and now I will never see Mary, that part of Mary Poppins. <laughs> I mean, I knew the dude was crazy, but now we have confirmation. A racist like, crazy. Racist crazy. <laughs> As if firing a cannon from your house wasn't enough of right. an indication that you probably should just be avoided. I'm going to say now we know he's part of the white power movement. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, 1879, the Grecian Holy Synod, I said it right. You said it right. Uh, condemns Apostolus Mac Macricus uh, in his absence to three months imprisonment. Macricus, uh, who is popular with the middle class, had preached controversial sermons about Christ and attacked Freemasonry, materialism, and simony, uh, the sale and purchase of church positions. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, interesting. The latter charge turned church leaders against him, and now they use his view that humans have a soul, spirit, and body to condemn him. In 1880, a court in Athens will absolve him. So an official condemnation of Apostolus. I didn't realize that Macricus. within the Orthodox tradition, they were dealing with that some, what, 200? Well, yeah. 100, 200 years. About 150. Oh, yeah. After... The West had, mm -hmm. you know, when Martin Luther complained about indulgences and selling of church positions and stuff. Yep. Uh, and then our last entry comes from 1969. Death in Florida of Harriet Bedell, who had served as an Episcopal missionary among Native Americans in Oklahoma, Alaska, and Florida. Good on Which her. is like all the corners of America. <laughs> you got the middle, you got the, the far, and then the two far ends. So it's like a... I'm not sure if she. If, where uh, were the locations again? Oklahoma, Alaska, and Florida. Yeah. So almost a straight line from like the furthest reaches yeah, of, of 
the United States. Yeah, from one corner to the other. The only other further way would have been from uh, from Maine to Oklahoma to Hawaii, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, and the one thing I'm always pleased to be able to say is, for the most part, the Episcopal Church had a admirable history of missionary work with indigenous folks in North America. Hmm. We did some bad stuff, and but on a much more minor scale compared to other Christian groups. Um, and so usually our missionaries were very welcomed and actually became integral parts mm. of various native communities from Alaska to Florida. Yeah. The yeah. Dakotas and Wisconsin and the Southwest, um, Arizona, I, Four Corners. I believe some of our, uh, uh, some of our blemishes uh, uh, in, in, in that arena, though, that as you alluded to, are coming to full recognition and apology in this next year. Yeah. Uh, um, so well, on two levels. Um, one is, and we're still investigating this, so I can't say how big it will end up being, um, the roles we had with government schools. Mm -hmm. So The last I had heard, and this really is, month every month there's new research being released um latest i heard is that we didn't the episcopal church did not run any government schools but was cooperative in coercing parents to place their children in government schools okay so the episcopal priest in the neighborhood would really pressure the parents and we know of at least one case where the episcopal priest actually ratted out the parents who were withholding their kids mm. that were within his parish so that the government agents could confiscate, kidnap them and take them to a government school. Oh, yikes. Yeah. But we're not as bad as many other denominations that, yeah, yeah, we'll run a school like that. Yeah. We'll <laughs> yeah, strip but, them of their culture. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah. Uh, which is, which is, I think kind of the point is to, to you, you kind of have to, you kind of have to uh, uh, research to it, it and, and own up to, to what did, what did happen. Even if it's, uh, you know, decades yeah. later. And and this past summer, our general convention that I got to be a delegate for um, actually budgeted money and other resources to do a deep dive into our uh, fiscal archives and other sources to, to find out as much as we possibly can mm -hmm. and therefore be able to form a way to address our sins. Um, that is meaningful. Yeah. So some some areas that know they have issues along those lines and or have issues around slavery are setting aside money already for reparations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's an important I, I, I feel like that's an important step. And I, and yeah. I know that's a, but also a, a very um, it's it's a subject that people will have lots of thoughts and opinions about as well of, you mm -hmm. know, how to you know how important is it how to accomplish a, a, a you know reparations what does a what does a repaired relationship look like right um and so uh which i i think has been invited to have been part of the you know generally as part of the conversation of like hey this is coming up so start thinking about oh yeah how you know how do you how, how do you how do you do all of us envision uh accomplishing that goal so that's that's a that's an interesting yeah, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll just say I'm impressed with how the hierarchy within the Episcopal Church is, um, I think, really taking 
humble steps rather than doing any kind of stonewalling, which mm. most other denominations have been doing. We have seen that time and time again. Yeah. 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 And continue to do so. So whatever yeah. we can do in the opposite direction would be great. Yeah. Um, so, well, that is it for this day in church history. Uh, so let's go back to our readings. Uh, sure. And uh, do our readings for the Feast of the Epiphany of the Lord. So, again, this is when the three kings, though I prefer Magi, mm -hmm. visited the baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph. Yes. So that's what, like, Isaiah is building towards. Right. Uh, uh, so we'll, with, with that mindset, you might notice a little bit of a theme. Yes. In, 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 like, because you say that, and obviously we don't get to the gospel reading until the end. But ah. Isaiah <laughs> chapter 60, verse 1 through 6. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to, their bri to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on the nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Epa, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. Um, Isaiah chapter 60, we're in third Isaiah. Definitely. We have returned probably yep. um uh if not uh i, I think i think third isaiah is mo we've mostly determined is is they have returned they have returned. um and so this is uh this is the author um kind of in, in giving encouraging words to um folks who have returned who, who have you know returned to another group of people who are related to them but have been were left behind yeah and may have may seem uh i wouldn't say unrecognizable but um they seem foreign yeah yeah they're not they the time spent apart has has been separated them yeah and because part of it is when the um jewish folks who were taken into captivity in babylonia um, they were there for, I want to say, 60 years. Maybe it was a little more. Um, they went through a, th a theological revolution. Mm. Then they come back, and the folks that stayed in the land kept the old ways, and th so they can barely talk to each other. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's reckon it, the, the, the land is not what it once was. The kingdom is fledgling at this point uh, because it has right. to be rebuilt from the ground up kind of uh so this passage is is initially the, these writings initially are talking about kind of a return to glory a come coming back together uh a a uh a blessing uh and and continuance of uh, of god's presence among them that 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 even as they've returned home god will not forsake them they'll right. they'll um, they'll have they'll they will they will be a light for the region again, which was kind of mirrors language of of old of of when they came into the land in the first place. A little bit. Um, 
back then it was more, <laughs> you're going to be so powerful, no one's going to bother you. Ah, uh, yeah. Whereas this, this is a more nuanced approach to what does it look like to be the, the representative of God on earth. Right, right. Um, so obviously, uh, as you can see from some of the language, uh, it has, it later is interpreted, uh, as a little, as a, a, uh, uh, prophecy for the Magi story. Yeah. Um, or as we've kind of delved a little bit in last week or an intentional way of writing, uh, Matthew. Right. To, to reference I reference it and and kind of sew it together so that people go oh is that what do I is that what Isaiah was talking about mm -hmm. um uh, because other than the book of Matthew I don't think we have any other written reference material that indicates this story right uh, and that includes Dead Sea Scroll writings or right. or or any historical yeah nothing um, nothing. Nowhere else in the Bible and nowhere in secular writings right. or other religious writings. Right. You know, uh, you know, a chronicle of, of uh, some foreign, far away uh, uh, astronomer of like, which people had a very interesting trip to a tiny town called Jerusalem. Like, yeah. there's none of that. Um, Though one of the things we always have to be, I think we always have to be humble about is that document may someday be found. May someday, yeah. May. I mean, archaeology continues at a very energetic pace, mm -hmm. and various tablets and scrolls and things are found every year. Um, so it's possible that someday, yeah, yeah, in might. some eastern kingdom, there is the travel journal of right. one of the magi. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, last week it was the. Last week it was the Luke reading, right? Where it was talking, we were talking about the, no, no, it, was not, it wasn't last week. It was, it might've been two weeks ago where we were talking about the census that didn't make sense. Right, right. <laughs> the census that didn't make sense. That's right. Um, uh, as, as potentially a, 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 a written additive yeah. by the author. Um, so, uh, but regardless, uh, as far as this writing goes, um, that's the that's kind of the vibe that comes from uh, verse three. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Um, as we were talking about, right. um, being we're, people are going to find you interesting again, Israel. They're gonna they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna wonder you what will... <laughs> what's going on over there. What are they doing right? Uh, You're going to get so many clicks and likes, right? Clicks and likes, exactly. Um, uh, uh, verse five is kind of also about that too. Um, yeah. um, your heart shall thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you and the wealth of the nation shall come to you. Um, multitudes of camels, uh, where it talks about young camels of Midian and Epa and all those from Sheba shall come, or those, those are just, uh, names of faraway places, like indicating like, it's not just like, oh, the next, you know. The, the the next neighboring tribe of people will go, hey, what's that over there? It's like far, far away. Or well, is it not? You know, what's far? I mean, if you have... Well, how far away is Midian and Epa? <laughs> or um, Sheba? It's... Okay, here's the thing. We as modern folks tend to think anywhere that we would want to drive 
has has to be seen as an insurmountable journey to someone who can only walk. Mm-hmm. Whereas what we know is how people are so uh, wired to be curious and to want to know what's over the next hill that they walked amazing to us distances and wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. As long as they get water and food, um, it's like, yeah, we'll, we'll do that journey. We'll see you in a few years. Um, so anyway, to go, to roll back to your question, they were not that far from Israel. Oh, okay. They were in, um, Arabian states and I mean, they were Arabian states. So, you know, they, it was be crossing the desert. They are to the East, but it's, it's not a shocking journey. Gotcha. Particularly by the time. Jesus came along when the Romans had built roads all over the Roman Empire to make transportation very, very easy. And if you had camels, it was a breeze. Gotcha. Maybe that's an exaggeration. It was a lot easier. A, a relative breeze. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For the time, yeah. Um, what is this? What about this line, your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms? Why is that in there? Like, what is that uh, trying to evoke? It's, this, it's an interesting image. Typically... In the time of Isaiah, nurses were not Jewish. Mm. This was a hired person from another people. Okay. So it was Gentiles. And so you have an image of um, presumably older women being helped along on this journey by women from other countries Mm. to show how even those women from other countries want to see what was going on. So yeah, I'll, I'll be your nursing aide while we do this journey. Gotcha. Uh, does it so also, it's, it's not a, a baby nurse. It's mm. a senior citizen nurse. Okay. Uh, is that also an indication? Like normally that group of people wouldn't make a trip because they're young or is that, is it indicating like, it, Everybody will, you know, whereas normally people normally they wouldn't make that journey. It's like um, you have to negotiate to get an Uber to drive you to Chicago. Uh You'd have to negotiate with these nurses for them to leave where they live. Okay. To go to another country as your helper. Hmm. And but they are going to be so inspired by the one true God to go see the light. That they'll they will readily and easily sign up to help the elderly mm. to um, come see this wonderful sight. Gotcha. And all this talk about light and radiance uh, uh, is only juxtaposed by verse two. Uh, and I'm kind of curious if there's any behind the scenes uh, meaning of, of, of this. For darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will appear over you. Um, is this just language that is uh, uh, kind of referencing the, I don't know, malignment maybe that the people are feeling at the time? Or is there like, is there some other maybe prophetic nature of like this? Is it, is it a coming darkness or like, I'm trying to figure out like, uh, why um, they're there. It's because this passage would still have great meaning without 
any reference, like, you know, yeah, oh, there's going to be, reference. there's going to be light and there's going to be, you know, uh, it's going to draw people. It, it, it's made more powerful by the fact of like, uh, this is going to come during a time of darkness, but I'm just kind of curious as to, um, necessary if there's meaning behind why that's in there. Is there, is it being referenced towards something? It's basically, um, metaphorical. Okay. So in particularly in, in I'm trying to, I was going to say particularly in Isaiah, but really throughout old and new Testament of the Bible, there's a contrast between light and darkness with usually darkness being the equivalent of ignorance or unawareness mm-hmm. of God. And what this, so what this is saying is God is going to be so obvious that it's not going to take deep study. It's not going to take hours of meditation. It's not going to take years of seeking. Instead, it's going to be like an unimaginably bright light shining in your life. Hmm. And so you'll know where to go. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and everything else that you thought you knew will just seem like nonsense darkness. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, I will point out, because we already kind of do know that, gospel story that we're going to be looking at it says they shall bring golden frankincense there's no mention of myrrh right um uh so we'll just tuck that in our back pocket Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe talk about that later um but uh but yeah um anything else about this passage along the same lines here it says kings yes it will not say that in matthew right however the story that we know in our head right oftentimes we use kings yes kings uh, which is why you can kind of tell there's a there's a direct uh, correlation between these two, uh, probably from the original time of the writing, but certainly ever ever since uh, or, or the writing thereafter. of Matthew, yeah, right. That's what I mean. Yeah, certainly well, no, at the time actually, of the writing of Matthew, it would be after Matthew because otherwise Matthew would have said kings. That's true. That's true. But we're ahead of ourselves. We're ahead of ourselves. Uh, so let's get behind ourselves. Uh, Psalm. <laughs> 72, verse 1 through 7, and then 10 through 14. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to a king's son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. May the mountains yield prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people. Give deliverance to the needy and crush the oppressor. May he live while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days, may righteousness flourish and peace abound until the moon is no more. May the kings of Tarshish and the isles render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him. All nations give him service. For he delivers the needy when they call, the poor, and those who have no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life, and precious is their blood in his sight. Um, this reads, and I think we've talked about some of them before, this seems, reads like one of those kingly psalms. Of, right. Uh, the, you are right on. Okay. So this is this is like a coronation, coronation prayer. A little song. Song. You know, processional hymn. <laughs> yeah. Um, it could also, these psalms would, the 
the royal psalms would all, were, would also be used to honor a ruler on a birthday or other grand occasion like that. Gotcha. But Got yes, it. coronation would be also one of the times. Okay. Uh, what do we skip here? Eight and nine. Eight and nine. Like, what, what did we... Did we have one of those traditional uh, Hebrew poetry marks of like, uh, may he dash the his enemies? <laughs> sort of. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So eight. I'll just read eight and nine. May, may he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May his foes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. <laughs> Okay. I'm yeah. just you know, picturing a nice choral arrangement. Right, right. The dust. <laughs> Especially, and then like insert like a, you know, the, the current warring, uh, uh, you know, outside group. Yeah. <laughs> Especially these people. <laughs> you know who you are. Right. And who knows? Maybe it was the kings of Tarshish. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I did notice that um, we use here in verse 12 and 13, we see the use of the word needy yeah. several times. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of curious as to whether or not it's the same word every time, because that doesn't seem like it would track with the way that these things are written. That's a good question. I'll, I'll look that up. Um uh, for for the listeners, uh, it says, "For he delivers the needy when they call the poor and those who have no helper." Which, you know, that feels Hebrew poetry. Yeah, you know, because those are two slightly different ways of saying the same thing. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. Um, yeah, that's what it claims. That stands out as like, no, oh, that doesn't fit. That doesn't seem right. Um, or at least to me, it. It, it stands out kind of like a sore thumb. Um, so I'm curious. It is the same word. Interesting. Yeah. And fire the kingly psalm writer. <laughs> <laughs> I need another word for needy. We don't have time. <laughs> we don't have one, sir. <laughs> Write it again. <laughs> oh, who will ever notice this? All right. Who's that Ben guy 4,000 years from now? But other than that, <laughs> um, what, I don't know. Knowing, knowing, knowing how uh, 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 critical we have been as a species yeah. forever, I'm sure there was somebody who, after this was written, going like, you couldn't think of another word at all? Like, uh, trash song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two stars. <laughs> well, okay. The, the, technically, the third one has a different prefix put on it than the first two. So that last one that I said kind of clangs, uh -huh. in terms of singing it, it would be a slightly different word and it would have a different sound. Okay. Okay. Well, then that would probably still... Yeah, that would sate. Uh, that, that's that sates my 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 interest and my concern. Um, so I I I take it back. <laughs> yeah. So the, the just in case anyone's curious on how I can thoroughly trash Hebrew pronunciations, um, the first two are 
Ibyo Winim. And the third one is We Iboin. Mm. Okay. So the third one will have a, a different woo. Make gotcha. people take notice. Gotcha. And that, that again, that does then track Hebrew yeah, poetry. Much of better. This word, another way to say it. Same word, another way to say yeah. it. Got it. And one interesting thing about this psalm, since you didn't ask, is, <laughs> is that of the kingly psalms, of the royal psalms, this is the only one in which the one of the royal um, attributes is having a concern for the needy. So mm. that may be why it is so hammered on. Got it. Got it. The first the first king to care about the poor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's almost by the various textual analyses, it's pre-exilic. So it's meaning what? Meaning pre going taken into slavery by the Babylonians. Oh, okay. Whereas That's uh, what you mean by exilic. I was sitting yeah. there going like what's yeah. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Uh, but it's good you ask, because most people will be like, oh. <laughs> Not along. Oh, okay. exilic, yes, okay. yes. Pause. Oh, I see. <laughs> I'll pause, get some coffee, and then I'll forget what I was wondering. Yes, exile, <laughs> pre-exile, I got it. Um, so it's it could have been written at the latest around the same time as the as the first part of Isaiah. Okay. Before the, when Isaiah was saying, you guys are really messing up um, and bad things will happen if you keep messing up. More likely it was written a little bit before that. Okay. Because it is still singing, the, it is still for use in praising the royalty. Whereas by Isaiah, it's like you royalty are almost worthless. <laughs> <laughs> Although I would imagine there would be a, a contingent of people, even during this king's uh, time period of like, yeah, that king. I don't know. They say he he helps the needy, but mm, you yeah, know, yeah, and and healthy criticism of leadership is always yeah. is is always encouraged. And we and and it could be it could it's easy to imagine a hymnist writing this saying this might wake this jerk up Maybe. about caring for the needy. And certainly the Holy Spirit could be inspiring that hymnist to say, wake this guy up. And when it doesn't work, has to turn to Isaiah to wake him You're up. You're in a much more positive mindset than I am. <laughs> my, my thought is that this is a commissioned work and the king is like, I've been hearing people say that yes. I don't care about the needy. I want you to craft a song that says I care about the needy. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I wish I knew Hebrew well enough to... Be able to tell you if any of these things, like uh, precious is their blood in his sight, mm -hmm. if there's any sarcastic connotation. But. <laughs> right, right. Oh, he so cares <laughs> yes. about the needy. But I do not know Hebrew well enough. <laughs> How bigly he cares. <laughs> um, uh, is that the end of the Psalm 14? Actually... Or does it go on? Does it, it drone on about his greatness? It drones on for, um, I'm doing math, for five more verses. Okay. And it is pre-droning. Uh, May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. I mean, mm -hmm. it, yeah. from what we, the way we were just talking, it's it does sound 
I have put in somewhere in this podcast, Monty Python-ish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the, the Herald is saying as they're clip-clopping along. And then Alex yep. was scared and ran away. Oh, I see. I was more, I was more imagining a uh, kind of like a, 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 a bit about how it drones. Like, uh, oh. like, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, may you be like the rain that falls on the moon grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days, may righteousness flourish in a man. Okay. Clap, clap. Yeah. Clap, clap. We're all done. For he delivers the needy. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Clap, 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 clap. <laughs> um, uh, but I do very, very much. I, I kind of saddened that we skipped our two verses in the middle. <laughs> like, yes. Lick the dust. Yes. <laughs> Because that, that also feels like it would be a beat in that yeah. sketch. And lick that dust. Long pause. May the kings of Tarshish. Uh, anything else about this song? I think we got it. All right. All right. Uh, real quick, uh, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll check in on, on uh, our second reading uh, of the day. Ephesians chapter 3, 1 through 12. This is the reason that I, Paul, am prisoner for Christ for the sake of you Gentiles. Is this really Paul writing? I think Ephesians is. Ephesians is? I was just kind of curious. Okay, yeah. Cool. I'm not absolutely I can't positive. remember which one is and which one isn't. Uh, yeah. And um, I'm supposed to be able to remember that off the top of my head. And I'm pretty sure it I've is. gotten you in, in the mode of not thinking about right. the second reading. So. Uh, hey, at least I had it in front of me. There you go. <laughs> Gospel reading. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, uh, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with, his, with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and have been warned... And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Um, I think a lot of times we do have a tendency to forget Herod's part in this story. We always focus At on our own per peril. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, I am curious. I think last time we read this, uh, I gave Herod like a snidely whiplash treatment. Um uh, Snidely Whiplash for younger uh, listeners is from the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. It's Thoroughly very, recommended. Very specifically the Dudley Do-Right section of the, the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. Ignore the violence, for, but it's hilarious otherwise. <laughs> right. For for uh, for some of our regular listeners, uh, you already knew that. 
um, uh, but uh, he who is like where is this uh, prophecy coming from? Do we know they because this this reference in six and you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. It's from it's from Micah. Is it from Micah? Okay. Yeah. So this is coming from the wise men from the east. Right. About the writings of Micah. Is there is that is that odd? Is that odd that they would necessarily know that because I would assume the writings of Micah would have been more of a local, uh, uh, not that it wouldn't have disseminated outward, but would be more of a local uh, understood writing. Well, yes and no. Okay. Um, Micah is what we call a minor prophet. Um, and there's a little bit of second Samuel that could be in here too. And you might recognize some of Isaiah that we had in the first reading, but the, <sighs> It's hard to, this is one of these things where it's just so hard to do the scholarship in some ways because we are so used to seeing these verses interpreted in this way that we are predisposed to say, well, yeah, the, the Hebrew scriptures were disseminated beyond mm -hmm. the borders of Israel because the Greeks and then who first conquered, you know, the Greeks who conquered and then the Romans who conquered this region thoroughly believed in libraries and collecting all possible um, <clears throat> sources of wisdom. Even if you didn't agree with them, you still had them in your library well ahead of their time in that way. So, and that obviously reflects the, the values of Western um, civilization, which, mm -hmm. well, we'll go there. Uh, <laughs> And so that's why it's hard to step back and say, or not. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll go with the first. And that is that if you were indeed uh, magi, you would be expected to have an education that stretched far beyond your own borders mm -hmm. and would include various sources of particularly divine texts um, from any culture available, yeah. including the Jewish folks. Um, I was thinking of another possible interpretation, although it would undercut the prophecy side of this story. Um, but I suppose that there's nothing that would prohibit um, some of these wise men, or at least one of them. And we to, don't know how many there are. Right, exactly. Um, to have originated from the land of Judah that as you kind of right. pointed out earlier that uh, traveling great distances was not as uh, much of a hindrance to people at that time. So long as they had food and water, it's entirely possible that, you know, someone grew up in this area and was like, I am so interested in this or yeah. I heard tales of a great learning center out East and I'm going to travel Yep. Uh, uh, you know, as a young, a young person to go and seek out this place. Cause I want to, I want yep. to learn. Uh, and then, you know, later on this story occurs and they find a star That's and they're like, possible. Hey, I grew up on the stories of Micah and, yeah. and shared it with, you know, 
Pete and Tom over here, and they mm-hmm. and they were like, "Cool, show me." <laughs> yeah, we we you know we traveled back. Uh, so it's entirely possible that the reason I, I suppose that the this prophecy is known by one of the wise men that gets sh- and they share it with Herod is because they they grew up on it somehow. That is quite possible. Yeah, that the world was much more cosmopolitan and interlinked than modern Christians tend to give it credit for. Mm-hmm. And again, that would kind of, in a way, it would undercut uh, that that interpretation would undercut a little bit of more the the at least modern theology of oh no, it's the the far reaching recognition of the glory of God. Right. So um, that's not modern. That was almost immediate. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which is why I suppose it's modern in that it continues to this day. Okay. Yes, it does continue to this day. Um. So it might undercut that image a little bit, mm-hmm. but interpretations are fun. So They are awesome. That's why we do this <laughs> podcast. One of the interesting things is the term East uh-huh. that is used here uh-huh. is, um, I just want to make sure I got this right so I don't lead us astray again. Um, the meaning of it in Greek is... A rising of light. Yeah. As in the dawn. Gotcha. So it doesn't necessarily mean, it's not limited to meaning the compass direction. Gotcha. So there are two things therefore happening is these magi could have come from any... um, any cardinal direction. Any cardinal direction. Thank you. And what it could actually signify is that these were people who were enlightened mm. mm-hmm. and were following that enlightened state that God had given them to make a successful journey to see the Christ child. Yeah. Three Buddhist monks. There are certainly um, scholarly pursuits Along those lines. And, hmm. you know, we're talking about trying to find the, the travel diaries. There are people going to ancient Buddhist um, seminaries and libraries and stuff, seeing if they can find anything like hmm. that. I realized just now, by the way, as I reread uh, some passages here, I incorrectly gave that interpretation to the uh, that, that in, uh, prophecy interpretation to the wise men. That's not who told Herod that. Right. Right. It's the chief priests and scribes of the people. Yeah, I just thought you meant what they, why they started taking this journey. Uh, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. No, I was in my head. I was yeah. thinking like, oh, the wise men told him what the prophecy was. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, but uh, but I was incorrect on that. But uh, still, still that doesn't negate any, right. any any anything thereafter. I just was incorrect as to where my brain <laughs> arrived yeah. at that at that location. But one of the <clears> things, <throat> and one of the things to keep in mind is we don't know from the texts and therefore from anywhere, how far these people actually traveled. Mm-hmm. There are, are beautiful sermons and poetry and paintings that um, talk about these seekers coming from miles and miles and miles away. But it may be that it was relatively close. Yeah. It just well, yeah, especially if it's, you know, if you're going with more of a figurative dawn, yeah. uh, it could have been like, oh, yeah, the, you know, 
the the equivalent of the local monastery. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, they came out and were like, uh, we think the baby Jesus, the, the, the Messiah is here. So uh, have you seen, have you seen a Messiah baby? Do you know what? Yeah. The... <laughs> what does that look like? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Anyone glowing or like. Wearing a uh, cape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, big um, M on the underwear. <laughs> <laughs> it does the the word magi. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said a few minutes ago, you know, means astrologer, magician. It does imply in the Greek that someone from a foreign land. Mm. So I do have to tone down a little bit what I was saying and what you just said of being from the monastery across town, but the borders of Israel at that time wasn't that far. Right. Yeah. So it really could have been. A matter of miles. And yeah. Not, not huge. Right. And the the only mm. geographic clue we have is the um, how long it took the Magi to get there. Mm. Um, I'm now, oh, I shouldn't try to scroll through the Greek. That takes me longer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It doesn't say how long, does it? I thought it did when they, when they told Herod when the, they saw the star arise. Um, Okay. No, it doesn't say. It just says, um, okay, here we go. Here we go. It's further along when there's what we now call the slaughter of the innocents. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, because here, because in verse um, 16 and 17, it talks about when Herod saw that he'd been tricked by the Magi, it says wise men here. He was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time learned from the wise men. Mm. So that has led some scholars to say, okay, they were from far, far away because it took them years to get to Bethlehem. Right. Although I would, I, I would counter with, the character that Herod has painted him is painted as in this story, uh, isn't going to mess around with uh, a small amount of carnage. Uh, well, or or like wiggle room, right? Right, right. He's not going to so hit it on the head. If they took, t- uh, you know, a matter of more than a year to get there, you would have seen five year olds yeah. or, or 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 less. So I'm I'm gonna think of like uh, uh, Herod's. Uh, uh, again, snidely whiplashy, uh, yeah. uh, taking like, oh yeah, we started traveling like three months ago, and I'm like, better do two years and under just yep. to be safe. Uh, uh, yeah, because it really is a threat to literally his own life, right? Because when the next king arises, they don't allow the old king to live. It wasn't the next king also Herod, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'm also curious about the. Uh, Actually, it was Herod and another dude and another brother. Oh, that's right. That's right. It, this Herod's father was king or, or this no. this Herod uh, came after the previous King Herod. Is that right? No, this this Herod 
was the most powerful of the Herods. Mm -hmm. When he died, he had so undermined his own royal house because of slaughtering innocents and stuff, not having to do with Jesus, that the Romans didn't think either one of his sons could rule that territory alone. And so splits the territory between son Herod and the other guy whose name I forget. I I kind of have somewhere in the back of my head a memory of the, the other son not even being named. I think I think it would have been named in the Roman history. Books. Oh, in the Roman history, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I think in the I think in the the gospel writing, it was like Herod and the equivalent of the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I am curious uh, before we wrap up here. Ah, his name. Oh, was Archelius. Oh, Archelius. Okay. All right. I'm That's wrong. verse twenty-two. I'm wrong. Okay. Cool. 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 Um, fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. Uh, verse eleven. We see the interpretation of the, uh, the phrase treasure chests. I'm a little curious as to what the Greek is. Ooh, that is a good question. Because treasure chests, you know. <laughs> yo ho, yo Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Is <laughs> uh, Actually, it's what it says is simply treasures. Ah, I gotcha. But it could be, it's not outlandish by saying treasure chest, because usually it refers, according to this um, Greek dictionary, refers to a room in which treasure, treasures are kept. Gotcha. Gotcha. Or was it opening the treasures of their heart? Exactly. Exactly. Um, anything else uh, about the uh, the gospel reading here before we close? Oh, I'm disappearing into the Greek, so I better say that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Why is there a different interpretation on the uh, the items themselves? Gold, frankincense, and um, I would assume not. Nouns are pretty are, are generally usually pretty pretty accurate. Well, that's part. So we threw in a gold. Okay, gold is just a a gold, a golden thing. Oh, okay. Rather than solid gold, so it could have been gold coins or gold um, artwork. A golden calf. <laughs> <laughs> Look at what he's doing to that thing. <laughs> it melted. That's not very. Did, oh, he put it in our water. That's. A, <laughs> um and bonus points for for anybody who gets that one and yeah and myrrh is um we aren't quite sure why that word is used Mm. um it's close to the greek word for myrrh but not quite there so interesting they're think the this dictionary editor thinks that it's a um concentrated form of myrrh Oh, okay. By the way that the Greek was modified, but it's not clear. So as far as we're referring back to the Isaiah reading, golden frankincense directly. Yeah. uh, Myrrh was 
was was that an anointing oil? What, what? I think, if I'm recalling correctly, I think that was a burial. Burial. That's yeah. right. Yeah, frankincense was the kingly anointed, yeah. an anointing kind of a kind of a salve or, or an oil. Well, no, and it was incense. In, in, incense. That's what I yeah. meant. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So the first two things were really good, and you're, ooh, yeah, incense. Yeah, gold. And then wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> this is for your child when he dies. Yes. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> fantastic. Um, yeah. Well, that with that, I think we'll call to a, a, a close this your podcast for the feast of the Epiphany of the Lord, uh, which is technically January sixth, uh, but we will be uh, reading January eighth uh, uh, on January 8th, on January eighth, yeah. I should say. Uh, and uh, we incur- we invite you to join us in worship on uh, Sunday, 8 and 10 in person. Uh, and the 10 o'clock uh, service will be broadcast on our YouTube channel, HFEC Videos. And at 9 o'clock, religion or formation classes resume for all ages, including adults, where we'll be talking about prayer. Prayer. Well, very, very good. Yeah. Uh, another kingly gift. Um what? Maybe? No. <laughs> I tried. It's good. Uh, yeah, good try. <laughs> and we're done. Uh, <laughs> uh, until next week, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll pray and talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye.